We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, and joining me, Mr. Doug Christie, DC. How's it going, man? Uh, in these COVID days and times, we're constantly doing this through Zoom, and uh, that's awesome. Uh, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, you know, I'd like to go hang out with my good friend, Doug Christie. I'd like to chill. You know, that would be nice. Yeah. But, you know, the smoke outside is bad. Everything's crappy. I, you know what I've been doing, Doug? I've been uh, filling up the walls in my, in my bar. No, no, I like, I went on eBay and, you know, I've been shopping for old Sports Illustrateds, um, old baseball, ah. baseball, basketball, football pictures. So I've been filling up the room. You can't see it around me, but um, my goal, ultimate goal is to have every inch of every wall covered in, in these photos. Um, I think I put up probably 35. Does that uh, make the wall? Uh, yeah, actually, you know, let me see. We can actually, yeah. let's Uh-oh. crank it oh, over. Oh, this is, oh, look at you. The reveal. Oh, look at that. Yeah, baby. Oh. Bang, bang. Oh, man, I doubled up. I, yeah, I and, and for... Uh, for my Sacktown royalty, former Sacktown royalty, now Kings Herald friends, that is a welcome to basketball hell sign there down low. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like, like I've got all kinds oh, of wow. good stuff all over. Um, oh, so man. yeah, that's been my you latest project. That is, that is sweet stuff, Ham. I, I, I like seeing it. I, I love memorabilia and just good. There's a story behind every one of those. Unfortunately, recently we, we lost Lute Olsen rest in peace john yes. thompson uh, who created the beast in the e of the east and hoya paranoia and a uh, good friend of mine cliff robinson as well man it's it's been a uh uh mr siever um yeah man, tom siever yeah tom siever as well yeah. just oh boy it's been it's, a, it's, it's been, been a, a long time. week hasn't it yeah it's, it uh, has, it's long... And I think of all of them, I think Tom Seaver is the only one. He had dementia for the last couple of years, yeah. uh, which, you know, I think it was well publicized. Um, but he's the only one that I know had COVID as one of the contributing outside of that. Um, you know, I grew up uh, watching it, it. Like if you lived here during my time of growing up, you watch two things. Um, you watch Notre Dame football. Uh, under okay. uh, what, Lou Holt? Lou Dawson. No, not Lou Dawson. Yeah, uh, yeah Lou, Lou Holtz. Yeah, 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 Lou Holtz. So uh, you watch Notre Dame football, um, you know, the good old Rick Meyer days, and then you watch Georgetown basketball because the local, whatever, for whatever reason, the local channels, that's who they had uh, contracts with. And yeah. so, you know, like I grew up watching uh, Dikembe Mutombo and uh, Alonzo Mourning and yeah. Allen Iverson and Victor Page, um, all these guys, you know, uh, at Georgetown. And just, you know, they, it was such a, an incredible lineage of, of big men. And he put so many big men into the NBA. I mean, there oh, was man. a time where everywhere you looked, there was a Georgetown guy. 
just really sad, really sad to see him pass. I actually met him at Team USA a couple of years ago. Oh, did you? Um, yeah. And just like a big, gregarious, fun, you know, like lovable, hard, uh, big, hard guy. So yeah, thoughts and prayers you know, to his family. You know, when I when I think John Thompson, him uh, being a a young kid in Seattle, Washington, they had built the King Dome. It was huge. They we had West Regionals come through there, and the Final Four was there one year, and uh, they had practices. So I skipped school. Uh, watch out! <laughs> I skipped. I did that a few times down. as well, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> went down with some buddies <clears throat> because you could get in free and they opened up the gate and you had to run as fast as you could because that would say where you got so we got right up to the to the to the railing and we got to watch Patrick Ewing and Michael Graham that's the year that he stepped out onto the scene and we got to watch them practice so it was just it was really cool so from from Big John and his social uh, commentary. For, I was a Prop 48 player in 89. He boycotted a game for Prop 48, talking about how it affected the, the Black community in a different way than other communities to the incredible story of him choosing to find, he found out that a local big time uh, drug dealer was starting to get close to some of his players, namely Alonzo Mourning, and he went looking. Big John went to the neighborhood and went looking for this drug dealer. Mm-hmm. He did not find him, but the word got around. And this this guy was a big time fan of the Hoyas. So he came up to the school and they had a meeting and it's, you know, it, the, the, the big thing was John told him with, uh, you know, in so many words, stay the hell away from my players. And the respect that Big John had he absolutely did. So very, very sad time. And when I, th- when I think about Cliff Robinson, uh, I was real good friends with Jerome Kersey. So that's how, and, and Cliff and I had the same agent for a number of years. So I got to know Cliff really well. And that, that one hit home. Uh, very, very sad, man. That, that Blazer team has lost Cliff Robinson, Kevin Duckworth, Jerome Kersey, just some really, really good guys, man. This is 2020, Ham. <laughs> it's been a monster, bro. Yeah, I loved uh, watching Cliff Robinson as a player because he was so different than the players that they had. You know, that team, you know, Buck Williams was just so gritty. Uh, yeah. And Jerome He would Kersey. fit today really well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he would. Uh, yeah, he'd be a stretch five at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Doug, I loved him on Survivor. Uh, you know, oh, I think yeah. that's, yeah, people forget that Cliff Robinson yeah. was on Survivor. I'm a huge Survivor guy, you know, we, me and Scott Pollard talk Survivor all the time. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I love that they bring out like a seven foot tall <laughs> dude and just throw him out there in the jungle. And you're like, wait a sec, <laughs> you know, like, well, we just made a bamboo bed and the bamboo yeah. isn't tall enough for me. Like, this isn't right. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So wanna, yeah, wanna uh, it's weird that you have clusters. Uh, it, it seems like it hits a single team. So like, I mean, Cliff is your age, you know, he's right yeah. around, yeah, he's yeah. right around your yeah. age uh, or he was. Um, but you know, like the 89 Oakland A's, like uh, Dave Henderson is gone. Tony Phillips is gone. Bob Welch is gone. Like they've had a, like a, a string of guys that, you know, a couple of heart attacks. And then I think Bob Welch, uh, like fell in his bathroom and, and had a stroke. Oh, yeah. Something, yes. something bad. Uh, either way, like it's sad that you see sort of the the people you were watching, um, and you know eventually, yeah. you know it happens to us all. It happens to us all. This Doug. is true. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll just finish off with the depressing news of the day. Um, Sacramento Kings have furloughed more people, and this time it got to the basketball, uh, the basketball side of things. And so that was that's different. I think yeah. what we've seen so far was the business side has been hit hard, um, just because. You know, there isn't, you know, uh, there isn't a need for all these people going out and selling tickets and all these things when there's no one, uh, there aren't any games coming, um, you know, and there's a lot more to it than that. You know, all the people that work inside, the vendors, uh, the uh, security and ushers and everyone that works inside. So, uh, but this time it hit the, the basketball side. I know of six or seven people right now uh, that were, uh, were furloughed. They're going to get their, uh, their, their insurance, their health insurance over the next couple of months. 
Um, okay. But they probably won't be uh, back until at least November, depending on when the season's going to happen, when uh, things like the, the NBA draft will happen. We just, everything is so up in the air. Um, and I, I hope it doesn't impact their ability to scout and to have the right conversations with draft picks and all that stuff. But I, I think we just don't know. And we also, we don't know who's going to be doing any of that because we, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's been no clarity on who will replace uh, you know, Vladi Divac or, or Peja Stoyakovich. Uh, Joe Dumars is forging ahead, you know, trying to find the right person. They've got a, a group out there trying to, you know, bring in the right candidates and stuff like that. So we'll learn more on that as, as time goes by, but there's nothing right now. There's nothing pressing for us to report on that. Um, and the Kings, like, again, I, I've said this before, like they aren't all in a room, you know, so they're, those walls aren't leaking right now. Uh, they're, mm-hmm. The information isn't going anywhere because like, look, if there are only three of us on this zoom call and the information gets out, is one of the three of us. So, right. you know what I mean? It's like a much different type of uh, atmosphere right now, just because not everybody's in the office. Um, Doug, let's, let's get to, uh, let's jump into, you know, I've been working on draft stuff uh, nonstop. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit of draft last week when the Kings were, uh, or the week before when the Kings were the number 12 uh, overall pick. Um, you know, we know that for sure now what would you do if you're at that position? Is there a player archetype is, would you move up? Would you move down? Um, are you comfortable with this draft? Uh, like what would in a perfect world, what would you do with the the number 12 overall pick, even if it's not a specific player or it's more of like an idea? Yeah. You know, so, so 12 is, is not a, a bad position. The pressure isn't on you trying to select, like people are saying the top three are locked in, but what does that really mean? We've seen in years past drafts, like all of a sudden you get a Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell was not picked at the top of the draft, but make no mistake about it. He is an absolute stud. So it's going to be up to the ability. Uh, Kyle Kuzma comes to mind. It's going to be of the ability of the Kings to find a diamond in the rough at 12. This isn't a draft necessarily that moving up, I don't think is going to do you a great service. You're going to, you're probably going to find the same type of player at 12 that you're probably going to find at, you know, maybe 20, you know, it just, it, it kind of depends on what it is that you're looking for and how, how good you are at identifying talents. With that being said, there are two specific areas that, that I would look at. One is a, both of them are developmental, first of all, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're going to be young players. Can young players come in and can they contribute? Yeah, they can. But I would say six, seven to six, nine wing player that has the ability, first of all, I want, I want them to do the, I don't want to have to teach them the motor and the defense. That should be the thing that they're already good at then we'll teach them how to play basketball, teach them the offensive game, work on their shooting, similar to what we've seen with a Jimmy Butler, what we've seen with a Pascal Siakam, what we've seen with some of these players that they were, they weren't what we see now, but they developed into something. Uh, But you need that long rangy defender. You can switch them off on pretty much one through five and at least catch the first move, allow help to come on a bigger player, allow help to come on a point guard and a smaller player. If they can stay in front of them, that's uh, so much the better. The other one, Ham, and I I haven't heard this, you and I have talked about this and I I hadn't Mm -hmm. heard pundits really talk about it, but it would be a backup point guard. And I I love what Corey Joseph brings and, and Corey, as he continues to, to age in the NBA is the type of player that the Kings absolutely need great on the defensive end. He can run a ball club, great in the locker room, a fantastic leader. Then you have a young stud in De'Aaron Fox. And the reason I say backup point guard is, you know, uh, Frank Mason, I, I thought was uh, going to be a, a big Fred Van Fleetish type of player. But bringing in that young point guard, first of all, you get to have a guy like Corey Joseph tutor him and school him on how to be a pro and how to go about his business. But you also have the ability of De'Aaron Fox to beat the hell out of him every day. And that is going to bring a player like that along. So that those are the two areas that 
as I look at the Kings, I say, you know what, that long term, when you got that one two punch of a, you know, if you could find somebody, Dante DiVincenzo, that's kind of that combo type of guard that can play the point guard, but then some nights you can move him to two or can be Fred Van Fleet, where you can now move Kyle Lowry over to the two. And that's kind of what you want to do some nights with De'Aaron Fox is I don't, want to just sub him in for a point guard and take him off the floor. I want to leave him on the floor, but I want to get him off the ball. And that's the developmental side of things that the Kings, you know, both of those players, you're going to have to develop them and bring them along. But that's what I'd be looking for. Yeah. So I fully agree, to be honest with you. I like both positions. And I actually think, like, look, the Kings have the number 12 pick, and there might be a player that you're talking about right there at number 12. Uh, for that specifically for that small forward spot the way this this draft works out is uh, you get to basically number like six or seven and from there to number 15 there's a whole range of that type of player you know you would hope that like Devin Vassell falls to them which is you know maybe pie in the sky Uh, but there's there's different types of those players right there Um, I just wrote on why I think Sadiq Bey out of Villanova would be a perfect Villanova. fit for that position. Um, you know, they, they produce winners. Uh, he's a guy that is known as a defender at the college level, uh, whether he has the elite athleticism to be an elite defender against, you know, those top tier guys at the NBA level, maybe not, but he's still going to be a solid team defender. I, he looks to me a little bit, a little bit like Trevor Ariza, you know, they sort of that player mold. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And, He's a 45% three-point shooter. So give me a dude who uh, not only that, but he loves the catch and shoot. He's not a guy who tries to create for himself. Um, mm-hmm. he, he can create for others a little bit. Um, but give me a dude who knows his role, uh, is a good, solid citizen, um, can get to the free throw line a little bit, um, who's big. You know, we're talking 6'8 with a 6'11 wingspan. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, so I, I'm going to continue to do more write-ups on players like this around that number 12 range because I think there's a lot of them. Pam, another comparable, and you tell me what you think about this player, uh, Marcus Smart, uh, kind of that that dog. You yeah. can switch him on to bigger players because of his heart. He, he's, he can handle the basketball. He's developed into a good shooter, and that's kind of what I mean when I say the developmental. And I say a good shooter, meaning that, I, I would allow him to shoot the ball five to seven times from behind the arc. And if he gets hot, like he did the other night, he's going to mm-hmm. knock down four or five of them. If he's not, he's going to give you two to three makes probably shooting. If he's shooting 35%, that that's probably a good number, but his statistics don't necessarily tell you his contribution to the game. Yeah. You know what? And uh, you bring up the uh, Marcus smart and, you know, even a guy like, uh, the Morris twins, they're kind yes. of like the power forward version of um, if you're really looking for that guy, you're going to have to move up. Like, and, and that's mm-hmm. where, like you said, I think I'm okay. Um, there are two guys in the top six, I think right around six, seven uh, that I would move up for. Like I, I am intrigued by it's going to cost you a ton. Uh, and this isn't a great draft, but Isaac Okoro, uh, is yes. a dude who is a road grader. He, he's basically mm-hmm. Ron Artest without the, you know, uh, he, he's that. Yeah, exactly. Without the, without the um, strangeness that makes Ron Artest, Ron Artest, uh, but a dude who will makes it up and is a full fledged like alpha who, who is going to take on the challenge. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, you know, raw offensively, needs a lot of work on that end of the court, but I like him. And then if I'm going to move up, I also, uh, I, I love, uh, OB, OB Topin, uh, Toppin. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. he, uh, my goodness, like pick and rolls with him. And because of the way his body is and the way that Marvin Bagley's body uh, is, he can shoot from the outside. I think Marvin's going to be able to shoot from the outside. I think that they could be interchangeable and you could have two, you know, one guy six nine, one guy six eleven, but really interchangeable four five. Um, and you know, especially on the defensive end, they could defend mm-hmm. both positions. And although neither one of them are great defenders, you would have to work through that. 
um, you know, that's a guy where it's like, okay, look, I'm going to get something special. Now that's if I'm moving up, if I'm not moving up again, let's just circle all of these guys in. We can, uh, what's a Aaron Neesmith, um, is a guy mm-hmm. who knocked down shooter. We talked about him a little bit last week. I think he's yep. absolutely brilliant. He shot, uh, I think it's 52, 52.2% from three on like, I think it was 8.7 attempts a game. Like there was, wow. he wasn't messing around. So yeah. I think it really does depend on uh, how you're going to address um, the rest of your squad. Like what flavor of player you want at that position. Um, go ahead. You know, there's, there's a, there's a Jaden McDaniels. We don't yeah. know exactly what he's going to be. You know, there's hints of Kevin Durant, Brandon Ingram, uh, you know, Jonathan when you Isaac. look at Jonathan Isaac, when yeah. you look at his body, he is more on the offensive side of the ball, but there is a, a defensive ability in him if you can get that consistency out of him. And th- that's the type of player that you could see him picked anywhere from 10 to 20. Yeah, and, he, could go, he could go deeper than that, too. He could fall. Yeah. He could be a guy who falls on draft night. So, but he's also a guy that could come in the NBA and then once he's picked, everyone is watching him in in three years and he's an all-star and they're going, what? You guys couldn't see the talent? Because if you look at him, if you go and just watch Jaden McDaniel, uh, University of Washington, 6'10", he he looks like a young Brandon Ingram, uh, uh, Isaac, those type of players, like he's got to improve the body, but the talent is absolutely undeniable so that would not shock me but if you were going to step out on a limb and say listen player development we're going to put you know get him stronger we're going to work on the skill set defensively that's what's going to get you on the floor Jaden McDaniel that, that that's kind of the mindset is it's not going to be your offense that's going to get you on the floor it's going to be your defense but we know what you can do offensively yeah yeah he's the type of player I like to yeah you know what like uh, this is what I would wish for for him specifically, uh, I wish that he would just drive down to Sacramento and move in with Doug and, and Dougie and Jackie. <laughs> because look, that's what that's what a player like him needs. Uh, yes. The problem that I see with him is you can see his brain shut off on the court, and that's like, oh no, 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 not you don't get to do that. You don't get to yeah. when we're going through draft prospect stuff. Uh, you can see him go like, eh. and it's like, oh, bro, that's not allowed. That's not allowed on my rec, uh, you know, or my comp soccer team. Like you, you show me that body language that you yeah. don't care. Then you're going to not care over here by me, or you're going to not care over with your parents on the other side, or you're going to not care with your parents in the car driving home while we finish this game. Um, so there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of the attitude that he thinks he's the bomb. Uh, that I think needs to be knocked down a couple of pegs, which I think the NBA draft has a way of doing that to players. Um, I, you know, again, like Michael Porter Jr., he has that type of body frame. And uh, like he's an offensive weapon. He can shoot from the outside. He can handle the ball. He gets a little too handily. You know, he dribbles a little too much. But I think that there's he's such moldable clay. Thank you for tuning in to the Purple Talk podcast. If you haven't already, please give us a rating and review. And of course, Wendy's has been a longtime sponsor of ours here on the Purple Talk podcast. And right now, Wendy's, when you buy one breakfast favorite, you get another for just a buck. It's an offer so good, you'll want to tell your friends, and they'll want to tell their friends, and they'll want to tell their friends, and so on. It's available for a limited time during breakfast hours only. Prices and participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's. Let's get back to Doug Christie, James Ham on the Purple Talk podcast. This is where, Ham, you have to be, it's like what you and I are saying is, is uh, I, I love it. If, if, I'm, if I'm building a team and I can find a player that's got the defensive mindset first, that's, that's where I'm going. I'm going to teach him the rest. But the NBA is also in that whole offensive mindset, meaning that everything is offense, offense, offense. Now we're seeing more defense in the playoffs, and that's usually how it happens. 
but you got to get high IQ guys that understand team defense because let's face it with the exception of a couple guys, you talk about a coral, you, you, we watch a Marcus smart. We, we see some guys, DiVincenzo that comes in defensively, uh, OGN and Nobi. There's some guys that defensively, they can get into some people and lock some people down. Uh, Kyle Lowry. But the point is, can you have the IQ to be where you're supposed to be a la the Miami heat, and D up people and help when you're supposed to help close out properly, extra effort, all those different things. And that is part of the finding process as well is making sure that they're going to be able to process this information at an extremely high level because team defense and understanding how to play is at an absolute premium right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, again, we, we can look at that, that number 12 spot. And you can say, like, there's potential somehow Vassell could fall to that point. There's potential somehow yeah. Okoro could fall to that spot. Um, but, but you're going to yeah. be looking at a group of players. And one of the players, you know, uh, Williams from Florida State. Um, I can't remember his first name. Um, uh, he He's a guy with uh, a, a bunch of potential down the road, um, but really, really raw offensively. He might be more of a... Uh, a four long term and a five. Williams. Patrick Williams. There we go. Uh, six eight long wingspan. I think seven seven one wingspan. Um, yeah. You know, he he's a guy that could potentially be better. So the problem that you have when you're the Kings and you're looking at this, like, what am I looking for? Because if I'm looking for solid rotational guy, then give me Sadiq Bay. I think Sadiq Bay is going to be in the NBA for eight to ten years. He's going to be a starter for part of that. He's going to be um, he, he might come off the bench, but he's always, he's going to be in the rotation. And, and right. I know that. Right. And then you've got a guy like Devin Bissell, who I think is an NBA starter. He's, he's going to start, he's a three and D more of a three and D two, maybe three. He's got great length. He's not super tall. Um, but more in the, the Scotty Pippen frame, uh, then, uh-huh. you know, so you've got him, but then you start looking at these other guys and it's like, okay, McDaniels can, can, he can be great. He has mm-hmm. the potential to be great, but right. you're really taking a, and then Patrick Williams, I don't know if he can be great, but man, he can be really interesting and he could be a lockdown in multiple positions. So you have to kind of decide like, where are we going? Am I going to get back Kent Bazemore for another two years, three years? And so I can pepper Bazemore in and, and Harrison Barnes and I'm bringing someone along or mm-hmm. Do I need somebody who's going to step in and be in my rotation tomorrow? And whether he's a starter or not, that's, you know, up in the air. But, uh, you know, someone that will allow me to move Harrison Barnes to the fore for more opportunities. Uh, you know, so, Doug, that's, that's where I think yeah. we have to know who's running this thing and who's doing what. Yeah, you know, as you say that, there's, there's two different – well, when I look at the Kings, the Kings don't play with a high enough basketball IQ at this particular time to bring in a player that is not offensively where they're supposed to be. The player that's going to be rotational for the Kings, I would think, is an energy guy that's going to come in and defensively just change the game, get after it totally, and mm-hmm. that's how you will earn some minutes. Uh, unless you got a guy that just has an incredibly high IQ and it's actually higher than uh, some of the players that the Kings already have and you put him on the floor and just knows how to play, I think that that's how you would probably uh, chip in and break this roster. When you talk about Kent Bazemore and you talk about Harrison Barnes, both of those players are playing at the wing position. That's why bringing in a player that they could help along, similar to the same way that I said Corey Joseph could help a backup point guard. Um, so many moving parts. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. With that with me saying that, Ham, any idea when the draft is going to take place yet? Well, as of right now, it's October 16th, but they haven't moved it back. Uh, they've talked about moving it back. They've talked about moving back the draft and free agency. Um, I think they can move back free agency like two weeks, three weeks without okay. actually mm-hmm. moving back the draft. Uh, it's hard. I know the Kings have been on Zoom calls with players for a long time. Um, you know, it is what it is. You're, you're trying to do the best you can in this situation, which I think is just totally bizarre. 
you know, but then again, you know, I guess you could find something out through Zoom that maybe you couldn't find out. You know, I, I like to talk to people. I like to interview people. I like to <laughs> right. get them to drop their guard and then let me see who you really are, you know, like, and let me, let me see if they realize yeah. that I have record hit in the upper right. left-hand corner <laughs> and let's see who they are. You know, let me push some buttons. Let yeah. me see. Let me see how they handle when their dog comes in the room and they're in the middle of a right. call and it's like, are they like, right. oh, and you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, I think this uh, opens more, up a new I, world. I need somebody where the dog jumps up in their lap. I'm with that person. The one that starts yelling at the dog, I'm not, that, that's not for me. Any, any over, under, any idea, if I had to say ham, this is, when do you think the season is going to start? What, what do you, what's your, what's your thought? Well, right now it's scheduled for December 1st. I'm going to mm -hmm. say Christmas Day okay. Okay. Is, is a day that I would circle, but I also believe that it could go into January. So what the NBA is going to try to do here is they're going to try to wait this thing out. They want to know if there is a, uh, if there's a vaccine. If there's a vaccine and they can have fans in the building, uh, they're in. But here's what complicates things people let, okay. let's let's like put the basketball sort of aside but like if you're not following all this stuff then i'll, I'll give you like a slight tutorial uh the vaccine at this point that they are testing that are in stage three all of the stage threes i think there's four or five that are maybe even six that are getting close they're already you know we just saw russia uh their their uh testing is showing that you know it's creating antibodies which is what you need right all of the the um, the shots that we're looking at, the vaccines that we're looking at this at this point, are a two part vaccine. So what that means is you're going to get a vaccine one week, and then six weeks later you're going to come back and get a second vaccine to build up enough antibodies to to actually you know get you through it. So you're not going to yeah. get the COVID now. Uh, 40%, I think it was, it was, um, someone has done polls on this 40% of America says they don't trust a vaccine right now and they're not going to do it. So not only are you dealing with the fact that you have to have people not only show up once and potentially get sick, but then show up <laughs> a second time and potentially get sick. And then 40% of the people already don't want one. So, so I don't know how the NBA is going to handle this because if I'm the NBA, um, I'm going to ask for a, COVID-19 uh, vaccine card from you when you walk in the door. I, I know that sounds mm. crazy, and uh, but that's what I would want from people. Like, I need to see you've been vaccinated twice, uh, you've had it twice, and then you're allowed in. And that goes for season ticket holders. It goes for everybody that walks in the building. You got to show your ticket. You got to show your card. Um, so that's it's going to be extremely complex because they're predict predicting now that because people have stopped wearing their face masks, that we're going to have 3,000 uh, people in America dead every day in the month of December, and that we could hit 410,000 uh, dead in, by January because people are relaxing at this point. So again, I'm not trying to soapbox you here. Uh, I no. told you before, wear your mask. That's, that's right, the biggest right. thing. Like, just put your mask on. Who cares? I mean, it is worth it. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, uh, I, I think, Ham, that part of what's going to probably play out is what we're seeing with college football and what we're going to see with the NFL. I know that the Pac-10 uh, has just um, released something that's saying that they're going to have testing on campus that's going to allow them to get immediate results, that that is something that, you know, soon will will come well that is a, a, a game changer in a lot of ways because the, the pack uh, 10 uh, pack 12 excuse me and all these schools have said no we're not playing and now they're re-looking at this and saying okay well this is something that we might be able to do well if the nba because the nba monitors all that type of stuff if the nba monitors this and sees some success now you also pair that with the fact that college football is thinking about having capacities of 15 to 25 percent of their you know people in the stands if there is a modicum of success with that then all of a sudden maybe maybe December isn't out of the question if none of that happens Ham and, and we don't get good results I would agree with you I think we're in January maybe even February yeah what I don't the the league is not going to do is they're not going to put their fans at risk they're not going to put their their players at risk 
they're not going to put all of the employees inside of an arena at risk. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there might be a way to like have a gigantic machine that sits out in front of golden one and, uh, and monitors the temperature of everyone in the crowd. And like, Oh, I got a hot spot. I got a hot spot. But, but then like how many people have those people been next to? And so, I mean, it's so incredibly yeah. complex that, I mean, it's really weird that we have to have these conversations on a basketball podcast. Um, it is, uh, but yeah. at the same time, like the NBA, 40% of their income comes from game day opportunity. Uh, it comes from game day. So that's not just ticket sales and food. Uh, it's, it's everything else because when you walk into a building and you see all these flashing lights everywhere, there's advertising everywhere in that building, right? right? All of those, those pieces, if fans aren't walking in there, those people want their money back. And so there are all of these avenues of advertising and, and promotion that it just is not getting taken care of because we're in a situation where, you know, no one's allowed in the building. So they're going to have to get extremely creative here. And I don't know if that means the players are going to have to wear gigantic uniforms with badges all over them, like, like race car drivers. Um, Maybe that's a way that they can bring in some income, but they're not going to be able to bring in enough income without getting players, without getting fans in the building at some point. And you know, the NBA, I, I do believe they are not going back to a bubble. I've, I've listened to enough players. I've listened to enough pundits. They're like, yeah, I'm not going, we're not doing that. It's worked well, out and they're going to live through this thing until it's done in mid October, but this is not something that they can do long-term. I, I don't, I don't think so either. I think that a lot of the players aren't going to be for uh, the, the, the blessing for the NBA. And I say blessing, understand not, not COVID, but the blessing was three quarters of the season was already completed. So when you talked bubble, it was six months or four months, you know, it's a long time if you make it all the way to the finals. But the point was he didn't have to complete a whole season. I think we're going to be looking more at what you see with hockey, um, even though that they have two spots, bubbleish, uh, but probably baseball. And looking at baseball and football, what they're doing is they're saying, okay, you're going to be able to stay at home. You know, you're going to have to follow some guidelines and hopefully you take this very seriously, but we're going to be playing at our arenas. We will be flying. We will be going to different cities, but, you know, and, and you may have to adjust the schedule if you're the NBA and while you're in the city, maybe you post up and play that team two or three times and knock it out there. I think that when you say creativity, the NBA is going to take all of this into consideration. What we know normally is you fly from one city to the next city to the next city. It may be a little different. You may, you know, go on a road trip, but you may be playing, you know, the, the Lakers twice in, in Los and Angeles and you may be in the Clippers yeah. in a, in a five day span or no, maybe not five, maybe a seven day span, but you're playing three yeah. or four games. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, Doug. If you can uh, stop the, the mass amount of, of travel, that would, that would actually help things quite a bit. Um, I, th- I just think it's complex. And, you know, I'm watching my A's haven't played since last Thursday, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just it's a bummer. Tough. Yeah. And, and, you a lot know, of double headers. Yeah, they've got something coming up that's just going to be nuts. And to make up those games, it's going to be crazy. I, I think it's 26 games in 24 days. Yeah, that's crazy. And then on top of that, like we saw uh, Loriano, um, you know, charge the dugout, right? He got a four game suspension. He came back and his swing is gone. Like the the normal, like way that baseball, they haven't been playing long enough. Their spring training wasn't long enough to get in that rhythm. So when you miss four games, you're out of rhythm. Now the A's haven't played since again, they, they decided to to do the, uh, the social awareness and, and they, they did not, you know, social, they, their fight for social justice. They yep. decided not to play a game. And then they had a double header uh, with the, last with Saturday. Yeah. With last Saturday, but then uh, someone tested positive on Friday. They didn't know until Saturday after the double header. So now you're looking at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and they still haven't played a game. What is the team going to look like after that? And so yeah. it, it's totally bizarre, man. Like all of this is, is we have to think about things that we've never thought of before and that's just us like spitballing what the NBA has done here to create this atmosphere. It's, it's nuts. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. incredible. You know, Ham, and, and to be honest, if, if you've watched it uh, from the very beginning, 
it evolved as it went on. I mean, I've seen changes in different things. We listened to the sound and the sound effects. Now we've went from the eight game pre to the first game of the playoffs. Now uh, first round of the playoffs. Now we're in the second round of the playoffs. Now they've allowed family members to come in. So you're seeing Fred Van Fleet. I don't know if you saw that video of his oh, little girl running amazing. down the hallway. It, it was yeah. it was heart wrenching, man. It was great to see. So yep. this is this is really good stuff from the NBA. They have done one hell of a job with the bubble and and you got to also give them credit zero positive tests that is big time zero positive which is it's absolutely amazing okay so you just brought up a video of little girl running to fred van vliet um yes. that's buddy healed after every game that is buddy healed after uh, every game. His i know little, it. his daughter is the best uh, isn't she she is just a doll. She's like this little tiny thing. And man, she's half the time she she's playing coy buddy, with by him. The way, too. Yeah, she totally melts Buddy. It humanizes Buddy. It, it really does. I think it has helped him uh, mature, but it also, like, she doesn't play. You know, she, oh. like, someday she's coming over and, like, all loves. Another day she's like, and he's begging for it. Yeah, and she's, she's, <laughs> like toying with him so anyway like the kings have a huge decision to make with buddy Hield, and normally when someone signs a contract extension like buddy did there isn't this question about whether he's going to be here you know the next season um mm -hmm. but i think there is that question at this point although i'm not sure that we should look at it that way because the people that were making decisions before are no longer making the decisions so right. we have to look at this in like a really odd way like is buddy part of the future is he not part of the future how does this make sense um so first and foremost I, i'm just gonna ask you doug if the right deal comes along would you trade buddy Hield, or are you like look man i really want to see the three guard set with bogey and buddy and De'Aaron, uh and, and see if we can fix this thing and work it right or are you like I can see how this could work, but this isn't me and Mike and, and Bobby. This is something different because we're all not on the same page and we're not willing to buy in to what's happening. So where are you, you at know, with it? Well, when you, when you say me, Mike and Bobby, out of the three of those two were defenders, we could all play offense. So that's, part of it is and that is one of the biggest things when I look at this De'Aaron is a fantastic defender Buddy and Bogey uh, the, uh, defensively is not their strong suit so uh, I, I don't know the philosophy and I think that that's part of what is going to be determined here you talk about today's game Buddy is a flamethrower forget about it I mean, oh yeah it's okay this yep. this is one of the best shooters that we've ever seen in the nba so and when you talk about bogey bogey has playmaking ability can handle the basketball can shoot the basketball as well but i guess it's going to come down to finances can can you uh, uh pay both of them and keep both of them and do because a lot of people look at a person's deficiencies i do but also playing with what they can do that is a big thing as well. And both of these players offensively can do marvelous things. So you, you kind of got to say to yourself, are you, are you going to go with w what we've saw and figure out how to, how to fix that? Or if financially we can't have buddy who's already signed and sign a Bogdan, which of those two players might you move on from to then and, 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 what type of player would you be filling it with? Would would whoever leaves, would the second player that stays here be a starter or would they be coming off the bench? These are all different things that, and I think that that's all philosophy based because one, one thing I, I like, I love both of those guys. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm telling you, Bogdan can do so many different things on the basketball court. I, I think even play him at point guard sometimes and allow him to handle the basketball a little bit more decisive. Uh, I'd like to see him as opposed to the dribble, dribble, dribble. Buddy, uh, the ability to run and shoot. I mean, that is his strong suit is and understanding and developing that Clay Thompson mentality when you catch it that you're ready and you're not trying to make a lot of decisions. This is what it is that you're going to do. 
it's philosophy based to be honest with you ham and right now we don't know what the philosophy is going to be we've watched joe d build a team before and it was a championship team i believe six straight eastern conference finals it was an absolute juggernaut. it might have been eight but i think it was six straight eastern conference finals uh and defense 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 exactly and and in today's game that is that is big so I, I don't know those answers right yet because not only COVID hit that, that in uh, you know, being around the team, being around people that we, we just don't know that those are going to be things. I think that probably the first time that the question will start to be answered is uh, obviously free agency, but in the draft, like what direction do you go? What type of player do, do you uh, come with? So I know that's a long way to answer your question. It's just, uh, I think it's philosophy based and, and you have to determine financially if you're going to be able to have both of those players on your roster and pay them both. Yeah. So, and I'll just like take that to the next step. When, when you say it depends on what you do in the draft, like, look, if, if you're sitting there and there are two players and one of them is Patrick Williams and one of them is Aaron Neesmith, and you think that you're not going to have Buddy Hield on your roster next year, then you're drafting, you're drafting Neesmith every, every, every time because he can replace right. part of what you're getting out of the three point shooting. Um, right. So, so that's where you're right. Like the draft could, could very well tell us what's about to happen with Buddy Hield. I think we would probably also, like if the Kings are going to trade Buddy, um, I, I don't think they're going to find a team doing, you know, 25 million for 25 million or 25 million for 20 million. Um, I don't think that that's going to be what they're looking at. They're, to me, if I'm the Kings, and I think that Okoro or Toppin are going to be available at number six, and Atlanta is like, hey, we got a bunch of money and we ain't got nobody to spend it on. Um, then I'm listening. Like, so I, I wrote about this is this week, like if you're going to go from six to 12, you give up buddy healed, they eat most of the financial part of that. You free up 20 plus million in salary space. And then you come back with, um, I don't know, a guy like Cam Reddish, or you come back with, uh, with Horder out of that deal. Would you do that? Would you, would you go, okay, look, I'm going to, take a, a step back in, in production today, but potential to feel, fill a long-term void with Toppin as my, as my stretch four to go with Marvin or Okoro as my road grader at the three. Like I can fix two things and I can get back a shooter or scorer, whatever you want from those guys. You know, there, there's a possibility that like Kevin Werder can, can do basically the same thing that Buddy can just at a lesser clip you know, a great shooter, extend the floor, uh, would probably be okay as, as a third guy, as opposed to where Buddy's at, where he's not happy. Um, so I do think it's complex, Doug. And if I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, you know, am I just spitballing here? Cause I don't know that they've even discussed anything. Um, but that, that doesn't, it's a trade that would actually make sense because it would free up the money to sign bogey. It would give you a better draft pick. It would give you another body that could help out, Uh, that wouldn't be as productive, but would be still like a lesser version of, and that might work. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that these are all things that are going to be on the table and you have to consider all of that when you, especially for Joe and the the front office is as you begin to build this team, as you begin to define King's culture going forward, what is it? And what is it going to look like? What is going to be the DNA? And that may be Buddy involved because, like yeah. I said, make no mistake about it. You go try to find a shooter like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not trading Good. Buddy Hield. I'm not trading Buddy Hield unless I get yeah. I get huge amounts of stuff in return. It's got right. it, it has to make sense for the Kings, yeah. and I think Buddy needs to know that too. Look, look, man, you might not be happy with your role. Well, then play better defensively you know, do the things we're asking. Um, and maybe that changes. Uh, you know, we could always see a De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Buddy Heald, three guard starting lineup. I mean, that, that could easily yeah. happen with Harrison Barnes at the four and Marvin Bagley at the five. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that can happen here. Um, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's gotta be what's right for the Kings and not just what's right for Buddy Heald. And he wants to get out because he wants to go be a starter somewhere that's nice and all, but you just signed a four year deal. I mean, realistically you're here for four years. Um, So I think there's that reality too, right? 
Yeah, you know, there totally is. And listen, under undersized backcourts, I think of uh, Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet. But the defense is what keeps them in games and keeps them on the court. It's like, okay, go to the other end. You can do what you want. You guys can play for each other, move the basketball. But this other end is where we have fun at. This other end is where we compete at extremely, extremely on a high level. And that's how you can get away with something like that. So that's just the, the mindset. And listen, I would say Kyle Lowry is a fantastic one-on-one defender. He, he and, and a great team defender. Fred Van Bleed is more of your team defensive player. And that's where, if you're the Kings, you've got to start thinking along those lines and understanding that team defense is mightily important. And you've got to make sure that everyone is locked in and they understand. And if you can, first of all, make strides on the team defensive side, then you begin to, you know, plug in your individual defenders. And as we talked about Joe D earlier, building a team in Detroit, that was one one of the absolute staples of that team is defense first. All right, Doug. Uh, I know you've got more stuff to do today. So do I, um, do you have any final thoughts? No, nah, man, this is uh, it's, it's a crazy time, Ham. Uh, you and I, we pod and we talk about, I mean, just think of the stuff that we cover. We, we even got into college football today. I mean, we are all, we are all over the place, man. It is a, it, it's a blast. We're going to continue on knocking it out. And uh, to all the Kings fans and the Kings fandom, we appreciate you. I can't wait for basketball to get back. Once we get this draft underway, start to define what Kings basketball is going forward forward it's an exciting time I, I know it feels crazy too many years away from the playoffs but uh it's gonna happen all right uh my final thoughts Doug I'm just gonna go back to it put your mask on I know it's <laughs> it's like it's frustrating yes sir and, and it you know it's like it's different um but man it's just such a small thing in the grand scheme of life and everything that's going on and if we can Agreed. do that we can you know preserve at least something out of this so put we your mask on. to turn into New Zealand is what we need to turn into. We got to turn into something because what we are right now ain't working, Doug. It ain't working. So Errat- Eradicate COVID. Get rid of that's it. That's right. That's right. All right. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Purple Talk Podcast. We will be back next week. We will have a guest. Uh, I think we've already lined up a guest for next week, oh. which I think people are going to love. We're going to bring yes. in a, a sneaky guest. Sneaky. Um, yeah, a sneaky guest, a sneaky guest. So um, I kind of, I'm down with that. Uh, but, you know, everyone be safe out there. Um, have, have some good thoughts for the people around the globe that aren't doing so well. And uh, yeah. that's going to do it for this edition of the Purple Talk podcast brought to you by Wendy's. Go ahead, Doug. Do it. Go Kings! See you next week. <laughs>